You're listening to the Promised Church's message of the week. This week, Pastor Aaron shares the message titled, What Are Your Monuments? We hope that you enjoy this teaching. All right. Why don't you grab your Bibles, turn them to Joshua chapter 4. How many guys went to the man day, men's day yesterday? It was amazing. I grew a few extra chest hairs. <laughs> I woke up this morning just wanting to burn something. Just wanted to light something on fire. Throw an axe. It's great. Uh, so grab your Bibles, turn them to Joshua chapter 4. And uh, I'm, I want to... I want to speak to you this morning on a continuation of something we've been chatting about for quite some time, but I want to start off with this story, and we're going to pick up where uh, Joshua and the Israelites have just crossed over the Jordan into the promised land. And uh, for those of you who need to be uh, maybe refreshed on the story a little bit, uh, they have been in the wilderness now for about 40 years. Moses, their leader, has just died. Uh, Joshua has come up and been promoted now to be the leader of the Israelites, and they have been waiting for this moment for a very long time. They are now crossing over into the land that they have been promised, been excited about, been planning on going. A whole generation had to die before they could go into the promised land. And we're picking up into the story as the priests, they, would, they went into the middle of the Jordan River, brought the Ark and the Covenant, stood in the middle of the Jordan River. The waters receded so that all of Israel could pass through the river on dry ground. Sounds a little bit like the Red Sea. And they passed through the Jordan River on dry ground into the Promised Land. And this is where we pick up in Joshua chapter 4. And it says this, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you, and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the twelve men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, to serve as a sign among you. In the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it had crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial. Everybody say memorial. To the people of Israel forever. So the Israelites did just as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites. As the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down, and Joshua set up 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. Look at your neighbor, tell them my title today, and say, where are your monuments? Come on, do it like a preacher, look at them and say, where are your monuments? Where are your monuments? And we have been on a series for 2019 about moving forward. And uh, we have done three different series so far this year about moving forward in community, moving forward in your finances, moving forward in evangelism. How many people have already begun to move forward this year in different areas of your life? Come on. 
It has been so encouraging to hear different testimonies of you who have begun to step out. And the premise of it is this, is that we don't want to be stuck in a place. We don't want to be stagnant in our relationship with the Lord. We want to keep moving forward, keep pursuing God, and not get lazy, not get apathetic, not get frustrated or distracted, and go back. And this stems from the passage of Scripture where the Israelites have just left Egypt, and they've got the Egyptians on their tail, and they're at the Red Sea. And uh, I want to just read this for you again because I felt like this morning we just needed to get refreshed and rehearse again what the Lord was saying to us for this year. Because I felt like God wanted to talk to us specifically about how do we keep the process of moving forward going? How do we not turn back, and how do we keep taking the next step after the next step after the next step. Amen. Amen. Great. Thank you. Feeling very encouraged already this morning. So let me read this for you in Exodus chapter 14. A lot of reading as we begin. Exodus 14 verse 10, it says this. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. How many people know that I would much rather die in the desert than stay in bondage for the rest of my life? So Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, but stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And then the Lord comes on the scene and he says, Moses, why do you keep calling out to me for help? Tell the Israelites to move forward. And so we looked at three different responses in this passage of scripture where we have the Israelites' response, which is to say, I want to go back. I want to retreat. They've come up. They've come out of slavery. They've come against the Red Sea, which is an impossibility, a challenge, a roadblock, a frustration. And their response is, I want to go back. I want to go back where it was comfortable. I want to go back where it was easy, where it was familiar, where I knew what was going to happen, and I didn't have to encounter these roadblocks. And then you have Moses comes onto the scene, and he says, don't go back. Just stand still. Stand still and wait for the Lord to deliver you. Many of you have been in seasons of standing still and watching the Lord fight on your behalf. How many people are grateful when the Lord fights your battles for you? Those are some of the best seasons. But we felt like for 2019, God was saying that it's time for you to move forward. And that's when God comes on the scene and he says, why are you crying out? Why are you crying out to me? Step into the water and move forward. Step into the thing that's right in front of you that seems impossible. Step into what seems too much for you. Step into what seems too difficult for you. And we felt like for many of us, we've become lazy or apathetic or stationary or still in our approach to the Lord. We've become still in areas of our lives where we need to begin to grow, where we need to mature. Maybe it's in parenting. Maybe it's in relationship with your spouse. Maybe it's in how you pursue the Lord. Maybe it's with reading your Bible. Maybe it's in telling other people about Jesus. Maybe it's in community, a variety of different things. How many people are thankful for those variety of different things we need to grow up in? And we talked about how when you move forward, oftentimes you don't know where you're going. That generally the Lord is not going to shine a light on 10 years down the road for you. 
that oftentimes you can't even see one foot in front of you. The Bible says that he is a lamp to my feet, and oftentimes that's all we get. Right where our feet are standing, we just get the lamp to shine right where we're standing. That's all we got faith for. We don't know what's ahead, but we simply stand in faith. And then as we take the step, the light illuminates where we're standing, and all of a sudden we've got grace and faith for where we're at in that moment. But oftentimes we think that the Lord is linear. Like we think that we're going to go step by step by step like we started A and we expect B to be next. Generally what we do is we start at A and we're here for a little while and then we jump right to H. And we're like, this is amazing. I am the best Christian on the planet. I skipped like seven letters of the alphabet. We went from A right to H and then we go right over to R. And we're like, R is for righteous. That is me. R, what's another R word? Redeemed. We're every R word you can think of. And we think we're so good, we're going to go right to Z. But what happens oftentimes, we go from R and we go right back to A again. And we're like, are you kidding me? I spent a lot of time here. Why am I back here? And then we'll go to B. And we're like, okay, we're starting the process. Then we go right back to A. And we find ourselves in life and in this journey, oftentimes right back where we started from. Right back to the basics. Or we'll move along a little ways and then we'll go back again. And then we'll take a couple steps forward and then we'll go back again. And this journey of life, this journey of pursuing the Lord is not always according to your timetable. It does not always go smoothly. It does not always look linear. And so what do we do during that process? How do we keep our eyes on him? It begins with understanding that his ways are higher than your ways. You do not know what is best for you. Your life is simply an offering to the Lord that says, do whatever you want to do with me. I will take a step when you tell me to take a step, and if you have me go back, I will go back. But what do we do in that process? How do we continue moving forward? In the Bible it says in Galatians, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Let us not become weary in doing well, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if, everybody say if, if we do not give up. Do not grow weary in moving forward. Because if you don't give up, then you will get the reward. You mean I don't get rewards for moving forward? Well, thankfully, God blesses you as you move forward. But if you don't give up, then you'll get the reward. For myself, last year, around uh, the end of summer, things were just going crazy here at the church in a good way. And uh, we were incredibly busy. My wife and I were Max. Now, I, I've got high capacity, like I've got a big, big plate, uh, but I hit the edge of the plate, and I had reached my limit, and I'm like, I'm out. Like, I got, I was just exhausted. I don't remember what it was, but I remember, like, I think it was the month of August, just being like, I'm done. And I was, I was in my office, and just, uh, I was talking to a pastor up in Seattle, and I was just sharing with him some of my frustrations, and like, bro, I'm just tired like, I got nothing left, I'm exhausted, and uh, man, I'm just like, maybe, maybe I need to like find a way to have somebody else do some of these things, and, and he's, he's on the other end of the phone, he's like, shut up. He's like, grow up, dude. He's like, the grace God gave you for this is upon you. Quit looking for somebody else to, for a shoulder to cry, just stand firm and begin to move forward. And I, like, had the Holy Spirit slap in my face. And I was literally, like, in tears on the phone with this guy, like, just crying. Like, man, I'm just exhausted. He's like, man, it was never about what you could do. It was never about your abilities. It was simply about him. 
So stop feeling sorry for yourself. His grace is sufficient. Be strong. Take heart. Keep moving forward. I got to tell you, it was exactly what I needed to hear. I was looking for someone to say, oh, it's okay, man. I know the road is hard. Just sit down, relax, take a break. Just, you're exhausted, aren't you? I'm like, yes, I am. It's all I wanted. But instead, I got a slap in the face that was like, bro, keep going. Keep moving forward. Don't get tired. Don't grow weary in doing well. Don't give up because if you continue on, you will receive the reward. And I felt like for me, oftentimes I can be facing things in my life, whether it was in August of last year or whether it's in a variety of other things, whether it's with your children. Hallelujah. Have you ever felt like that with your children? I've had enough, Lord. Take them. Just take them. Take them back. But you can't give up. Because if you give up when they're seven, by the time they're 18, you're going to be really in trouble. So you can't grow weary in parenting or you won't get the reward. And there's a scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It says this, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You're running a race. You are running a race. If you didn't know, this is a race. It's really hard to win a race by walking. You're running a race. It's really hard to win a race by standing still. You're running a race. It says run the race and throw off everything that hinders and the sin that, so, sin that so easily entangles. You want to know how to keep running? Get the sin off your life. Well, that sounds really generic. If you ran a marathon, I never have and I never plan on it. But if you did, my wife ran a marathon, a half marathon one time, and I thought she was crazy. If she were to have run that marathon and had backpacks of bricks on her, it'd be very difficult to run that race. Yet that's what many of us look like in our race of life because we've got sin on us. Get that sin off, and you're going to be able to run the race. And let us run with perseverance. What's perseverance? Perseverance is saying, I'm not giving up. When I'm tired, it's okay. Welcome to part of the journey. There's rest in the Lord. There's joy in the Lord. Find rest in him. Rest does not always equate to laying down. I find rest in moving forward because my rest is found in him. It's not found in what I'm doing. It's found in him. And it says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Too often, the reason why we quit, slow down, turn back, get distracted, get off course on the race of life is because our eyes aren't on Jesus. We're either looking at the people behind us thinking we're better than them and we can slow down and go our own pace, or we're looking at the people ahead of us and think we're never going to get there, so why keep trying? And we're comparing, comparing, comparing. Your race is your race. Stop comparing yourself to other people, and the only way you'll finish is if your eyes are on Jesus. So how do you keep moving forward? Look at them. And only him, because that's where you're running to. We start getting distracted and looking at other people and our problems, and we start looking at our issues, and we start looking at, well, we've started running. It's like when you work out and you're trying to lose 20 pounds and you've only lost one, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I've got 19. You lost one. Celebrate the one. This is what we do. Like, we, we know we've got 20 steps to get where we want to go, and we take one. And we're like, oh, there's 19. I'm never going to get there. You got one. Celebrate the one. And then it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. 
for the joy. You want to know how you find the strength to finish? Get joy. Oh, but my joy was just stolen from me. The situation stole my joy. You want to know where my joy is? I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You want to know why you can't steal my joy? Because you can't access it. Well, that just robbed me of my motivation. Well, it wasn't locked up very well then. You should have put it down in your heart. My joy is in the Lord, not in you, not in what you tell me. So all the talk about, I just don't got joy right now. Who stole it? You should have locked it up a little bit better. You should have put it down deep in your heart, in the Lord. Not in what you tell me, not in what I'm going through. Lock it up better. Lock up your motivation. That felt really good. So then, we've got the Israelites. They've just crossed the Jordan, and they're going into Israel, promised land. You're like, why did you even read that story? I'm getting to it. So they cross the Jordan River, and they go into the promised land. And God tells Joshua, take 12 stones out of the middle of the Jordan and build a monument. Build a monument so that you can tell your children what has happened. Now, they build this monument in Gilgal. You could take that scripture off. They build this monument in Gilgal, and then they leave to go keep fighting all the battles, right? They go to Jericho, then they go to Ai, and they're winning many, many victories for the Lord. But every so often, they come back to the stones. And I could just imagine, like, the first year, they bring their children, and they're like, son, check out these stones. Man, there's these 12 stones here. I got to tell you the story. Like, we were, in, we were in the desert for 40 years. We never thought we'd get out, but son... Joshua told us. Now, he was the new leader. We didn't think he was even, we thought he was crazy. And then he tells us we're going to walk across the Jordan. We walk across the Jordan, the waters part. We walk across on dry ground, and we hurry across because we were freaked out. But then we get across, and Joshua says, build this monument so we can keep coming. And, and son, it was amazing. We didn't know if God was going to provide for us and, he, and protect us, but he did. And we're here, and it's amazing. And then probably a couple years go by, and they come back again, and they come to the monument, and they're like, yeah, these are the, the 12 stones. And, you know, God, he parted the Jordan River, and he didn't, he didn't take us across. I mean, we, we had to walk. It would been really nice if he would have carried us. But, yeah, these are the 12 stones. And then maybe a couple years later, they come back, and they're like, yeah, here's these stones. Like, you know, we've got across that Jordan, and then Joshua's like, build the stones. And we're like, for real? The, you want us to grab stones? Like, we just wanted to keep getting out of there. But he made us build these stones, and it was kind of frustrating and weird. But we obliged and built the stones. You want to know how I know the story changed? Because in Judges chapter 2, we read that Joshua died, and the entire generation after him knew nothing. Let me read it for you. Judges chapter 2, verse 10. It says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation group who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. So Joshua and his generation build the monument. They grab these stones, they build the monument. And then the next generation knows nothing of what has transpired and doesn't know the Lord. What happened from Joshua chapter 4 to Judges chapter 2? See, I believe that many times on our process of moving forward, we can become distracted. We can become frustrated. We can begin to lose hope or to lose faith. And many times we find the correction. We find the guardrails of life in the monuments of our past. 
the different places where the Lord has healed us, blessed us, provided for us, delivered for us, we find we find the, the strength, or we find the hope, or we find the courage, or we find the structure of life based upon things in our past. And oftentimes when we leave them and we don't revisit them, we get sidetracked. We get turned to the left or to the right. And we see an entire generation not pursuing the Lord. And you got to ask yourself why. I would like to propose to you today that for you to keep moving forward, simply revisit your monuments. For you to know which way to go, sometimes just look at the place where the Lord has already been. And I believe that many times we will experience, it's like Jeremy. Jeremy shares this great testimony on stage. Shares about how he begins to give and all of a sudden they get immediately blessed. Now, I'm not saying this will happen, but Jeremy, two months from now, could be like, yeah, I mean, it was fine. You know what I mean? Right now, right now it's awesome. But two months from now, it's like, I mean, it's normal. It's not even a big deal anymore because they've had the raise. They're living life. Bills went up. And now it doesn't even feel like they got a raise anymore. I could use another raise, Lord, like right now. Right? And all of a sudden, the miracle of what God did feels very insignificant. We've minimized what God has done in our life. And it's easy, distance creates familiarity. Distance creates religious. Distance creates, ah, no big deal. We minimize it. And I feel like we've got to do a better job in our life of valuing and revisiting the monuments of our lives. The places where God meets you, the, what he speaks to you, how he blesses you, to revisit them. My son last year decided he hated pizza. I tried to cast a demon out of him. It didn't work, so we figured his taste buds changed. Now we're a pizza family, so it is incredibly inconvenient when your son hates pizza. All of a sudden, we're like, no you don't. You will like it and you will eat it. So get used to it, or you will go hungry. He continued to not like it, so we prayed for him. Nothing changed. And then all of a sudden, so this was last year, like a month ago, my dad brought over pizza to our house. And all of a sudden, Israel's eating pizza. Now, either my dad prayed really well over that pizza or something changed. And I'm like, Israel, you're, you're eating the pizza. He's like, I know, I actually like it. And I'm like, hold on. So I grab my phone and I'm like, say it again. And I record and he's like, I really like pizza. And I'm like, now this is a parent hack. I just changed some of your lives. So a couple weeks later, we make pizza. And he's like, I don't like pizza. You want to bet? I play the video for him. You love it. Eat it. I created a monument for my son. Some of you need to create monuments in your life. Oh my gosh, this bill. I'm never going to pay off this bill. Well, if you would just go back a year ago to where God paid off that bill, you'd have faith for this one. Oh my goodness, my life is, I don't even know what I'm going to do. I can't hear the voice of God. Well, if you just revisit the time where you felt the same way last month, you would know that you can get through this one. I feel like sometimes I hear like 
a repeated story from so many people. Like, oh, I'm like, wasn't that the same story last month or last year or the year before and the year before? It's like if we would go back and revisit these monuments in our lives, we wouldn't need a pastor or a friend or anybody else to encourage us because we could encourage ourselves. God's never left me and he's not going to leave me now. He blessed me then and he's going to bless me now. I've got all the faith I need. I just got to go back and revisit those monuments in my life and it keeps me on course. Well, God's just, he's never going to be able to uh, heal my, I'm, I'm never going to see this pain go, well, let's go revisit all these monuments where God healed you or healed your friend or healed your family. And now you got all the faith you need to believe that God's going to heal you. Sometimes we're so quick to move on, we forget what he's already done. Just go back and revisit the stones. I, I know for myself, like, grow, like right now, gr I grew up in Longview. I love taking my kids back to my house. And it doesn't look anything like I thought it would look like. Like, I, I expect it looks like a mansion. It wasn't. It was like a 1,500-square-foot, 20-year-old house. But to me, when I was eight, it was huge. And so I take my kids there, and there was a hill that we used to ride our bikes down. To me, it was like Mount Everest, but it's like barely any incline. And I'm taking my son, and I'm like, Is it? I used to like fly down this hill. And he's like, that's not even a hill. But to me, it was. And so, I mean, we have kind of this culture already. Like, we love doing it with our kids or our family or our friends. Look at where we grew up. Look at what we did. Let me show you these old pictures. Do it for yourself. I love reading prophetic words over my life regularly because it reminds me of what God is saying over me. Go back and revisit some of those monuments. My parents recently bought a, um, like, a fire pit. Um, I, I am not a fire guy or an outdoorsman. You can tell by the pants I'm wearing this morning. But I do know this, is that if I sit there around that fire, if all of us sit there around that fire, and it's awesome, and we're talking, and nobody does anything to that fire, in about 30 minutes, it's gonna go out. In about 30 minutes, it'll be really small, or it'll be gone. Which means, at that point, we've gotta restart the whole fire again, which takes time. Or, or in the middle of that 30 minutes, right, Jeremy's looking at me like, do you even know how to run a fire? Yeah. I'm learning. Thank you. Thanks for your faith. I could see it. I could just feel the gaze just of, anyways. <laughs> I know in that 30 minutes, if we just nurture that fire a little bit, if we just maybe put on, some, move the wood, if we put on maybe some extra kindling to make the fire keep and sustaining or growing, we won't have to restart it again. This is what many of us need to do with our relationship with the Lord. Like, we, we get a big experience with God, and it's, oh, it's on fire, and it's amazing, and I'm running super hard right now. And then all of a sudden, like two months later, we're like, I, I don't, I'm not that passionate about God. I don't even know what happened anymore. It's because for two months you did nothing. Like you tried to sustain yourself on one meal, it won't work. You've got to nurture the fire. You've got to nurture the drive. You've got to nurture each step you take and put kindling on. Remove the ashes, like in Leviticus, where the priest would remove the ashes and put fresh firewood on every morning so that the fire of God never burn out. This is what you've got to do for your own life. So what I wanted to do is, over the next eight minutes or so, I wanted to give you some monuments in my life. Monuments that I go back and revisit regularly. Monuments that you probably have in your life, you can steal mine, or you can maybe remember some of your own. And regularly, I'm creating monuments, monuments that I can revisit to say, I got faith for what I'm facing because of what I went through. 
those people at the Jordan River, they should have been hearing stories about the Red Sea. So when they face the Jordan, they're like, no big deal, just walk across. If you walked across the Jordan River and you face Jericho, you're good. I don't know what's going to happen, but God's going to tear the walls down. After Jericho, and then you go to Ai, ah, no problem at all. Do you see those walls come down? Right, you keep revisiting the stories in your life. You got faith for everything that comes up. So you'll never stop moving forward. You'll never stop having faith. You just revisit what he's done. So the first monument I want to tell you is this, a monument of peace. I have a monument of peace in my life. My wife and I have shared this many a times, but three years ago we lost our son. Zion, he was stillborn. And I remember in the delivery room, he's born and we're believing for a healthy baby and he comes out and he's dead. Not breathing. And we're in the hospital. My wife, she's got to recover for three days from a C-section. And so we're in the, we actually put Zion in the freezer, in the, not freezer, in the refrigerator at night. And then bring him into our hotel room. <laughs> I wish it was a hotel room. Bring him to our hospital room during the day. And those three days, all we did was we blasted worship music like, so the whole floor in the hospital could hear it, and we just worshiped with our dead baby in our room. And we just praised the Lord. We just thanked him for his goodness. In the midst of the most challenging season of our lives, we just worshiped, and we just thanked God that he was good. No matter what we saw, no matter what we felt, he was good. And we felt a peace that passes understanding. Like you read about that in the Bible and you're like, oh, it's a great phrase. No, we actually felt that. That when we didn't understand how we could feel peace, we felt peace. And we just worshiped in that season. And I got to tell you, any season we go through, we remember that. Any storm we go through, we just revert back to that and say we know exactly what to do in this moment. We're facing something that feels terrible. We're facing pain. We're facing uncertainty. We know how to find peace. We worship. We get our eyes off of our problems, and we get it onto Jesus. And it is amazing how peace immediately comes in. It's a monument of peace in our lives. Then I've got a monument of provision. Last year, well, I, I shared this a couple weeks ago, but we felt like God spoke to us to give a very large sum of money and create a nonprofit to begin to see the gospel preached where it's never been preached. And uh, so we started giving that in January of this year. Now, most of you know that uh, I, I'm a partner at an investment firm uh, in Portland. I do that as well as pastor here. And uh, the first quarter of 2019, once we started giving, we grew more in the first quarter than we did of all last year. Not only that, in April, so the month we're in right now, we grew more in this month than we did all of last year. That that monument of generosity, when you begin to say, God, I'm going to give extravagantly, above and beyond what I thought I could do. So now the next time that God asks me to give above and beyond, I'm going to revisit the monument I'm building right now. And I'm going to say, God, even though it's beyond what I can give, it's beyond what I feel like I'm capable of, I know that you're going to bless me. And you will always take care of me. That you've got plans to prosper me and to give me hope in a future. I've revisit that monument, and I got many more monuments of provision that I can go back to and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse. Now when God asks me to do something, I've got faith to say yes. I don't need you to lay hands on me. I don't need to have some text message sent out, oh, God's asking me. I'm just like, I got faith because I can just go back to those monuments. Then I got a monument of freedom. I shared this back in, at the fall when we did a, a series on deliverance. 
I struggled with pornography for years. And I can remember time after time after time feeling like I was never going to get free. Praying to God, deliver me, bring breakthrough. I can remember feeling like once I got married that it would all go away. It didn't go away. And it wasn't until the Lord showed me a verse in James where it says, confess your sins one to another and you'll be free. It wasn't until it wasn't just a habit that I needed freedom from, I realized I had bondage I needed to get out of me. And I remember going to my wife and, and repenting and asking for her to pray for me. And I remember feeling freedom for the first time in a very long time that I never thought I would feel. And now it's a monument I can go back to to remind myself when there's something that I feel like I can't get free from, I just remind myself of that season to say anything is possible with Jesus. There is nothing too great for the power that is in the name of Jesus that I no longer need to stay in bondage, that I don't need to be bound by this issue. I can be free forever, forever. I've got a monument of trust. When I was 21, I believe we had just been married, I got a job up in Olympia. I felt like God was calling me to the political realm. I'd been a city council member here in Woodland, and I was working up in Olympia, and I felt like that was what God called me to do. So I was up there, and I think it was like a month and a half of working up there, they took my job away from me. Now, this is what I was called to do. I had people prophesy over me, oh, you're going to be in politics. Like, this was, so I, I remember calling my wife. Drive, I, I can re vividly remember the moment driving home from Olympia back to Woodland, weeping on the phone like, babe, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, this is terrible. This is all I've ever wanted to do, and now it's taken from me. And uh, not just to add to the worst case, like a month later, she got pregnant. <laughs> great, great timing. So I have no job and a baby on the way. And uh, I, a couple months after that, I ended up meeting an individual actually at church who I'd eventually begin to work with and become partner with him in an investment firm. I never would have met him if I hadn't have lost my job in Olympia. Oftentimes when the doors get closed in your face, you feel like, oh, life's over. Now when the door closes in my face, I just get excited for the next one that's going to open. Now I can go back and revisit that monument of trust to be like, it's okay. That didn't work out. Something else will. The Lord's got my best interest in mind. And I can just be at peace and trust that he's going to take care of me. I've got a monument of being unqualified. Try being a pastor at the age of 26. You'll feel very unqualified. Never went to Bible college, never wanted to be a pastor. All of a sudden at the age of 26, we become pastors here at the church. And I'm like, you got the wrong guy. All I want to do is make money. All I want to do is be in business. I don't want to pastor people. If I counseled any of you during that first year, I am sorry. <laughs> it probably sucked. This was my counseling strategy. Get over it. Move on. Don't be stupid. Okay. You feel good? Great. That's all I knew how to do. Oh, wait, I create a business contract. Okay, let me see everything. Okay, do this, create a plan, and now follow it. I'll talk to you in six months. Great, see you later. Like, it was bad. And I felt it. And I can remember being like, God, you got the wrong guy. Like, I can't, I can't do this. This is not for me. Like, get somebody else. And, and then going through that process where the Lord began to show me things in me, begin to teach me and grow me and kill me, and I died many deaths Many, many deaths. When it says take up your cross daily and follow me, it's not so you can carry it. So you can die 
every day on that cross. And now every time I feel unqualified, I'm like, this feels good. I start to get very comfortable with feeling unqualified because if I feel qualified for the place I'm in, I'm probably not where God wants me to be. Because I know that God wants me to take to take me to places to, to do things and accomplish things that I've never dreamed of. And so I start getting, I start looking for places to feel unqualified in because in those places, the only way it works out is if God comes through. And I like those places. I like knowing that my only solution is him. Not my own abilities, not my own wisdom or my own strengths. Last one is this. I've got a monument of perseverance. When we started this church five years ago when we became pastors here, we had 75 people on our first Sunday. 75 people. Um, it was depressing, and uh, we felt like there was no hope. We had a mortgage that felt like we were going to go under, and we were basically going under. And uh, for like six months, we didn't grow. So for six months, we're feeling like we're, we're in trouble. Then the bank comes and says, if things don't change, we're going to take the building back. So we're in desperation mode. And I can just, I, I, can, I can even go back to like, we, were, we couldn't wait to like we hit 125 people on a Sunday. Like to us, that was like a victory. And, and then all of a sudden, we begin to see growth come the moment we start tithing as a church. And then growth comes again. And then growth comes. And the feeling of quitting and the feeling of giving up and going back all of a sudden dies away with excitement for what God's going to do because we chose to run the race with perseverance. We chose to not grow weary while doing good and not give up so that we could get the reward. And now every time I'm in that season where it's like, oh, this is just too tough, I can go back and be like, man, if I just stick with it, if I just keep moving forward, I know God's going to be there. He's never going to leave me. He's going to bless me. He's going to prosper me. That there's favor. I feel like many of us need to go back and remember some of those monuments in our lives. You stand with me? In Philippians 1, it says this, being confident, verse 6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. If you look at your life or you look at your situation and you say, it's not good, just know this, he ain't done. So if it isn't good, don't worry, he's not done yet. So don't worry. Some of you just need to remind yourself, he's not done, so I'm not going to worry. And go back and revisit some of those monuments. I know for myself, I do it often. By often, I mean weekly. I go back and remind myself, hey, God, what, did, what have you done in my finances? Like, oh, that's right. Oh, and then that. Oh, my goodness. And then there was that. And what have you done in my marriage lately? My kids, oh, man, remember when my son, he just did that? Oh, he, and then that again, and my daughter. Go back and revisit those monuments, and all of a sudden, you begin to get confidence. You begin to get faith. You begin to get trust for what's ahead of you. So how do you keep moving forward? Don't forget your monuments. Don't forget what he's done. That, that thing that he did for you in January or February or March or April when you started taking that first step, replay that in your mind daily. Write it down. Revisit it, reread it, put it in your journal, go back and back and back and back and read it so that you have faith for what he's going to do next. Don't grow weary in well doing. I want to pray over you real quick and then we're going to do one more thing. Will you, will you just close your eyes with me? Father, we ask that the promised church, that us here, that we would be people that never quit moving forward. 
that we would be people that go back and remember what you've done, that we don't minimize the miracles, we don't let distance create familiarity, but God, we remember the goodness of God. We remember that you've always been with us. You've never left us nor forsaken us. Father, I remember that time when I thought I was down and out, but you came through. I remember that time when I didn't think I'd have the money, but somehow it showed up. I remember that time when I thought my spouse and I was never going to continue and we were going to be done, but yet you were there and you never left me. I remember that time when, when I didn't think my son or my daughter was ever going to talk to me again, and all of a sudden they did, and now I got faith for what's next. Father, that we would be people that don't question you, that don't forget what you've done, that don't lose heart, that don't grow weary in well-doing, but we would keep moving forward. Father, and we would be spurred on. We would be, we'd be encouraged on by what you've already done. Remind us of those monuments. In Jesus' name, amen.